What is up, everybody? Anthony Vasquez here, joined by my good friend and colleague, Harris Lane, CEO and owner of Hank Lane Events. So happy to be able to bring this to you today. Harris and I go deep. We talk all things involving entrepreneurship, including how we overcame the hurdles of the economic downturn in 2008, how to prepare for the next economic downturn, and most importantly, how to build a brand and create a legacy in this industry. Harris gives some amazing insight. He's a dear friend and someone I truly respect. So without further ado, I bring you Harris Lane. What is up, everybody? Today I am joined by my good friend, Harris, Harris Lane from Hank Lane. Um, and I know everyone watching this knows who you are, so I don't have to give you too much of an introduction. That, that's very nice to hear. Yeah, I appreciate it. And if they don't know who you are, they should crawl out from the rock. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to introduce them <laughs> yeah. right. Um, man, I, I've known you a long time. Yes. You know, and I think um, to start, someone I've always admired in the industry because oh, thank you. you've, you've built a monster company from thank a business you. perspective. Thank and you. as a business owner, I know what goes into what you do. Um, not just to build that business, but to constantly grow, evolve, take your business to the next level. You guys have done something I, I don't really think has been copied at any other city in the United States, maybe in the world. I don't think that there is another comparison to, to Hank Lane. And I, I, I mean that. I don't think that there's no other band company out there right now, in the, really, that does what you guys do and executes with that many high-level bands, bar mitzvahs, the, the sound, the, just all the different avenues you've spliced into. Um, I've known you forever. I love you, man. I love what you do, and I have a lot of respect for it. So I want to get into where it started, though, right? Because I know, um, as I like to proverbially say, we've all eaten a lot of shit to get to where we yes, are right now. And a lot. A lot. So if you a could lot. just tell me a little bit who you are, and then let's get into where it started. So, Anthony, so... My company, Hank Lane Music, was founded by my father, uh, who's Hank Lane, uh, and my mother, Deanne Cowart, and their uh, friend uh, and great musician, Mark Stevens. Uh, that was founded in 1978. And the premise behind it was to play music at people's private parties and have the music actually sound the way it should be, you know, as opposed to some of the more old fashioned, which is a industry industry term called club date bands, where, you know, it was sort of a bunch of guys thrown together for the night of, and they would just kind of play whatever, sort of the typical quote unquote wedding music. So my father at the time, you know, he had a young band, so when he started playing at weddings, bar mitzvahs, you know, charities, the, it was new, it was refreshing, and that's what made him popular. And, you know, I came into the business, I was a teenager. You know, I started at 14 years old. I was a roadie. I was my dad's roadie. I Crazy. carried the equipment. You know, he was a drummer back then, too, so I used to carry... The drums, the sound system. We didn't have sound engineers back in those days. We had, did it all yourself. We did it all ourselves. That was it. And, um, you know, all over the tri-state area, Long Island, the city, Queens, Brooklyn, you know, New Jersey. We used to go from party to party. So in those days, we would do four or five parties on a weekend. You know, and it could be all over the place. You'd have a Saturday afternoon bar mitzvah in South Jersey, 
and then you'd have a Saturday night wedding back, you know, in the five towns of Long Island. How we used to make it. Without GPS. Without GPS. <laughs> without GPS, without cell phones, without email. There was no internet. Life was easier then. Life was a lot easier then. I don't know how we used to do it, but we did it somehow. But it was a real good foundation for me and, and my other partners now who really are just phenomenal. So, you know, in building the business, you know, I, I had a great start because of my father. And then building up now, I have great partners who also help me. Which is, it's interesting you mentioned that because I know so many people who were in family businesses. Mm -hmm. And I know so many sons who fucked up their father's business. <laughs> um, I think the, the smaller percentage is the ones who've taken what they've had. Because I think as the son of a business owner, when you're stepping into it, the pressure is tenfold. For me, when I started, you know, I had nobody, right? I, I didn't have to inherit. So there was no pressure. The only pressure I had was put on myself. So I started with nothing. Whereas, you know, you come into a business, your dad's built this name, but then you say at some point, I'm not just going to settle for that. I'm going to take this name and elevate it tenfold to where it was, which I've seen, you know, from knowing you for almost 20 years now, you've constantly improved. And I, and I commend you for that. Because I think a lot of people can go, we know many, I'm sure we know many people who've, who've no, taken the family business here. No, um, what was that pressure like? And at what point were you like, all right, dad, you, we came here. I love you, but we're going to, and then obviously your dad at some point had to say, my son's a smart kid. He's got some ideas. I need to let him run with these because we're going to build, this is going to become an empire now. Right. Right. Well, the first part of it was the performance. You know, coming into the business as Hank Lane's son, there was a lot of pressure because I didn't want to be viewed as like a flunky. You know, I wanted to make my own name. In fact, before I even started becoming a band leader, it was suggested maybe I shouldn't call myself Harris Lane. Maybe I should call myself <laughs> Hank Lane Jr. Or maybe, oh, man. you know, or come up with a different name. You know, my middle name is Scott. I should call myself Scott Harris or something like that <laughs> because he didn't want the pressure to be on me. You know, he didn't want everybody to, you know, in this industry, when you're trying, when you're riding on the coattails of your parents, People don't want you to fail, but they're looking for you to fail. So I didn't want to fail. You know, I wanted to create my own name. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I'm, I'm a trained musician. I'm a, I'm a guitarist. I, you know, that's I'm a trained guitarist uh, and I sing. So at first was establishing a name for myself on the performance end. Then after I established a name for myself, then I had to maintain that level. And then came sort of learning about the business side of it, you know, in terms of sales and marketing and all the other things that come along with running a business, you know, insurance and taxes and, you know, and I didn't go to business school. So I, this yeah. has been a big one. I'm still learning every single day. So, And I think that's for people who, who you know, as you start to scale these businesses, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's funny how we, we get away from performing maybe as much or yeah. taking pictures in my case. And now right. it's, you know, you have, uh, you know, you're dealing with the IRS, the accountants, the healthcare companies, yep. who's, who, you know, who's in the office having a bad day, yep. who's upset because you told them to work an extra two hours, like all these That's things right. that we have to manage in order to grow. Mm -hmm. But if we don't manage those, the, you know, obviously the True. business fails. But one thing I've noticed just from, from knowing your com company so intimately, and, and you've really curated talent very well. 
and you know whether it's the Bobby Atico, the the Marcus Reed. So what have you done when you've seen someone and you've said, okay, you know, and from knowing Bobby so well, at some point you said, Bobby, this kid, okay, or Harry, um, or Marcus, this kid has mm-hmm. something. We're gonna we're gonna groom that and right. we're gonna cultivate that and and you know, I'm gonna put that out there. Right. Well, you know, Bobby is someone that's it's a, he's special case because. Bobby originally was in one of the other bands mm-hmm. at the time, and this is going back, has to be maybe 15 years ago, I think maybe even a little bit longer. And he started out, he was in one of the other Hankling bands, and I had a, I'll never forget this, I had a bar mitzvah to play at Camp Tawanda. The owner of the camp made his son's bar mitzvah at, at Camp Tawanda. And my regular singer, who I was working with, wasn't available that night. He had a family commitment. So my contracting department, they said, why don't you try Bobby Atico out? And I said, I don't know, you know, this is a big party, you know, does he know everything? They said, well, you know, he's new, but, you know, try him out. So we get on a bus, we traveled three hours to like Pennsylvania, New York border, and comes a song that I think Bobby could do, and I throw it to him. This guy just lit up the whole place. So I came back on Monday and I said, the guy that I'm normally with, I go, put him, put him in the other band. I said, I want Bobby <laughs> in my band from now on. So then we grew together and then we became such great friends. We even started a record label together at the time. And, um, then I saw his ability to become a band leader. And then so I finally, conv- it took a little convincing, but I convinced him to become a band leader, and he did. Um, and then he, and he's a success in his own right. I mean, he's really made such a tremendous name for himself. Um, a guy like Marcus Reed was another guy that came in to audition, and I saw, you know, the raw talent that he had, personality, charisma, and I said, this guy could become a band leader. And so, you know, you have to be able, talent in this industry rules over everything. You know, rules over marketing, it rules over sale. At the end of the day, it comes down to what I call the final four. You know, it's because we play for four hours and it's the it's the end of the, of the planning process. It's those last four hours that it comes down to. And if the talent is not there, um, it's everything that you've promised somebody for this special day, it goes down the tubes and that ruins your reputation. So band leaders, musicians, um, we have a rigorous auditioning program. We have a rigorous training program and you know, we teach all these people the art of doing these private events because there's a difference between being a great musician Mm-mm. and then being able to perform at these private events where you have to know all kinds of music, everything from top 40 to 90s, 80s, Motown, swing, you know, blues, disco. You have to sing, play, be youthful, have a lot of energy, and that's a rare person to find. So 
that's what we look for. And, you know, fortunately, I mean, we, we've been able to, we have a lot of great networks that we go through, come through recommendations. So that's where we put the emphasis on. No, I see it. I see yeah. that talent there. Yeah, I see you. like Sugar Lane now. Mm-hmm. I, I see, obviously, you saw something. I butcher her name every time, but she only she, she is. <laughs> she is, you know. And I've worked with a lot of uh, vocalists throughout my career, and I grew up, you know, as a child. My mother, uh, Joanne, she was a, um, a famous singer up in the Catskill Mountains. I've seen all kinds of entertainers. When Chioma came and performed with me, I have never worked with a more dynamic female vocalist in my life. You know, not to be, I don't want to say female vocalist, it sounds sexist, but you know, just, yeah. she was some performer that I said, there is no way that this person should have a band behind her. And now she's killing it, you know, and she's unique because she does something different than the rest of us do which I like about our company. You know, the one thing that I think differentiates us from some of these other companies with multiple bands is that every band is unique. You know, no two bands are really the same. It's not like there's one major flagship band and then every band is trying to be a carbon copy of of the main band. You know, every band has its own style. At the end of the day, they're all great leaders and, you know, they have, they create a packed dance floor, but, you know, the style, the presentation is different. And that's what's appealing, I think, to all the different types of clients we have. What what would you say right now? I mean, obviously managing as many bands as you are, Mm -hmm. right? That's a whole thing in and of itself. Dealing with the wedding planners, the families, Mm -hmm. the the day-to-day hurdles. What's the biggest hurdle you face on a day-to-day basis in running Hangland? The biggest hurdle that face on a day-to-day basis is you're only, and this is something my father taught me, you're only as good as your last performance. <laughs> you know, you could be on top of the world one day, but God forbid you have one off night. It takes a long time to recover from that. So, The biggest hurdle for me and and management is always conveying to the musicians and leaders that this is, you're performing at somebody's special day. It's once in a lifetime and you only have one shot to get it right. And it's also the little details. In addition to putting on a stellar performance, it's getting the names of the hosts right. You know, it's making the, the proper introductions. It's working with the venue on a professional level. You know, we're very venue friendly. You know, we obey by whatever the rules of the, of the house are, you know, because you're coming into somebody's sure. house. So it's, it's all about, it's not only just performance, it's about professionalism. It's about paying attention to every detail, making sure you get in you know, all of the uh, protocol uh, moments like, you know, playing the right first dance, playing the parent dances, um, making sure that, you know, people who are scheduled to speak, that they speak, you know, and that's a band leader's job is to work in conjunction with a banquet manager. And all, that's what we're always constantly conveying, 
you know. How is how is what you've done can change drastically, which I assume it would have with social media. <laughs> social media is everything right now. Technology and social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I mean, that is everything. We are constantly updating our Instagram page. We're constantly posting things because the generation of the brides and grooms today, and even their parents, before they even go to a website, they go to Instagram. And that's why we've made such an impact on Instagram. And fortunately, right now, I mean, we have the largest following of all of the bands in the industry. You know, I think today we were at 17,400 and counting. You know, I mean, it's not 100,000, but compared to our people who we compete against, we're the largest. But from what you just said, too, like when you tell your band people, this is a once in a lifetime performance. Right. I'm thinking about last night. I was right. with one of your bands. Mm -hmm. Steve DeLise is performing. Right. And I looked in the crowd and I'm trying to get a really cool room shot because right. of Steve. I want that. He's got this. He's in the middle of the dance floor. He's right. doing his thing. Right. right. It's the Queen song and everyone's right. into it. And right. he's killing it. Right? right. The whole crowd is up, except everyone has a cell phone in their hand. Right. So for photo purposes, kind of looks like shit. Yeah. Right. But I'm sorry about that. But, yeah, but from your standpoint, if Steve doesn't kill it in that moment, 150 people are Instagramming that. that That's that right. 10 seconds, let's say. That's right. And then everyone sees that. That's right. So I think what you just said is even more important now yeah. because there's no, there's no do-overs in that sense. It's, it's going out there. It's going out. And it's that moment that people will judge the whole company on. You know, um, We encourage the band leaders and we encourage you know, everybody in the band, sound technicians, to take as much footage as they can and then they submit it to us so we can approve it because sometimes it doesn't translate well you know it might when you're there live and you know you're in the moment it's phenomenal but then when you videotape it on a on a camera phone it doesn't <laughs> it's never know, intended for that it, it, right <laughs> it, it doesn't translate well so we, we're always careful in picking things that translate well for the for the general public but it's been a tremendous tool for us because, look, this is this generation. People want to see what's going on out in the field. It's, it, you know, the days are gone when you could just sit with somebody and just describe what it is that you do. I mean, they want to <laughs> describe what you do, but people really want to, they want to touch it. They want to feel it. They want to look at it and they want to experience it. So... The next challenge for me and, and the company is creating sort of before your wedding happens is, is making you feel like you're part of the experience to begin with. You know, so if, you, if you're interested in Steve DeLisi, for example, we want to get you to know everything about Steve, everything about his band, you know, what he does best you know, show you clips of what he does, show live clips, not something that was just filmed in a recording studio. You know, it's about really generating that live experience.
right. for you before it happens. And I know for us, you know, especially with pictures and Instagram and social media, mm-hmm. it, the, the biggest challenge now is meeting clients' expectations. Yep. You know, and I had a photographer on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, uh, you know, I had a client come in and they go, uh, the sun sets in the east, right? I'm going, no, the sun sets, <laughs> sun sets, yeah. sun sets in the west. They go, well, we want a sunset shot. I'm like, well, you're getting married on the east coast, so you need to go to the west coast or be facing west. Or you have to take the shots <laughs> at 5 a.m. <laughs> the sunrise, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but clients, men, they don't necessarily grasp that sometimes. Right. Like, well, if you want sunrise, it's east right. and it's 5 a.m., or right. it's the west side right. and be packing and it's yeah. 7 p.m., right. it just doesn't change. <laughs> um, how have you guys started to manage as those expectations, which I feel in the past 10 years, expectations have multiplied 10 times right. over my first. So, I've been doing this 20 years. Mm-hmm. First 10 years, really slow, gradual growth. Past eight, nine years, exponential growth in client expectations planner expectations and family expectations. Yes. We understand that the expectations are huge coming from families, coming from planners, and we do everything we can to really create that experience. Um, I think, you know, with a band, a band for, use a wedding for an example, you know, a band has to, be larger than life. You know, it's the most important part of the winning and then the photography is, of course, equally as important. Let me just make a statement, (laughs) if I may. Because those are the memories. Those are the memories. memories. Um, But the band is the entertainment and it it has to be larger than life. So, like what I do, if, if I'm not performing, I will go and I will see all the other bands, what they're doing, and without the client knowing it, I'll make adjustments, you know, in their performance. I might say, well, you know, what you're wearing isn't right. You know, you need to dress a little bit differently. Something needs to pop a little bit more. Um, the song selections might be off, or, you know, maybe the band is being a little too generic in their song choices. You know, bands have to... A good band has to be able to take chances and create things, you know, on the spot that will make them stand out from everybody else, you know. So managing expectations, you certainly can't tell a client, well, I know you like this, but, you know, live it's not going to be as good. You know, that's just, that doesn't fly. You know, it, it should be what you see should be less than what it is live. So. If you like the video or if you like the, the Instagram post at your wedding, it's going to be 10 times as, it's going to be 10 times better than what you're, what we're showing you right now. So, you know, that's a difficult thing to do, but you know, that's why we put a lot of pressure on, you know, the musicians and the leaders to go in there and then deliver it 1000% every time. I think there's something else I think you could give some good insight to. So to, mm-hmm. to younger people in this industry who did not live through the economic downturn of 07, 08, and 09, sure. we know the worst time in, in our lifetime, at least, horrible. for yeah, absolutely horrible, right? Banks are closing. Those are our clients. Hedge funds out of business. I mean, it was, there, was, there was hell on Wall yes. Street. And that ultimately carries over to us. Mm-hmm. People who did have money didn't want to show they had money right. because they were you know, embarrassed to right. rub it in their friend's face. And I think we've had an amazing 10-year run now from 09 mm-hmm. to 2019. The economy has been flush with money. Mm-hmm. Dow's at 27,000. We are headed 
to winter again at some point in mm -hmm. the next few years, right? One thing I know that I, I can tell from working with you for now 20 years is when 08 hit, you started developing more talent. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Bobby, some of those younger bands, right. so instead of buying into the philosophy of, oh, the economy sucks, my business is going to go on the shitter, you yourself at some point had to say, no, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going right. to exploit this to my, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to build right. even more talent and That's I'm right. going to move forward from that. That's right. That was a very difficult period for everybody. Um, and in terms of entertainment, you know, we're a luxury item. Mm -hmm. So we were the first thing to get cut. Um, but it was a good opportunity in the sense that we were able to develop new young talent. Um, talking about expectations, even clients' expectations dropped because, look, we were getting calls from, from clients who were, you know, vice presidents of these major, major Wall Street firms who said, look, I, I just, I lost my job. I, I don't have the money for this. What can you do? And, you know, so if they had a 10-piece band, you know, they would go with a six-piece band. Mm -hmm. um, we were flexible with pricing because at the end of the day, we also had to keep our musicians employed, <laughs> you know, whereas a lot of other companies sort of stood their ground and said, no, 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 this is our price and we're not budging. And if you're going to cancel us, we're going to take you to court. We didn't do that. You know, we, and this is... You know, I owe this to, to my father and um, some of the senior partners who have, who are in a recession prior to that. Yeah, they had know. lived through Black Friday. They lived through Black, Black Friday and, you know, it was a matter of, look, you know, it's like we got to go into crisis mode now. You know, if somebody wants to cancel because they lost their job or they don't have the money, then we have to make deals with them. Look, we had people who, who had bands. You know, we have a great DJ company called More Than Music. You know, some of them switched to a DJ. Like, there were ways to work it. We managed to retain all of the events. And, you know, look, personally, we had to take cutbacks, you know, partners. You know, we went months without taking a salary. But and we that's the thing people never say. Yeah. They think that it's funny yeah. when, when, when times get tough. They yeah. think we pay ourselves first. Right. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. We don't, as the business owner, you don't get paid. No. Sometimes potentially for three, four, five months. That's right. And you're paying out. That's right. Oftentimes at your own pocket. That's right. Because it's, if there's no money in the check, business checking, it comes out of That's right. our own pockets. That's right. So now we're not only taking, not taking a paycheck, but we need to make sure, at least I know for me, you know, I have 25 people working for the company now. So, you know, during that downturn, mm -hmm. right? Things are bad. We know that, right? So I think people who have not lived through that, which a lot of people watching this may not have experienced that, or right. you know, if you're only 20, then you're 30 now. You didn't get you didn't get the brunt of that as a business owner back right. then. Um, I know personally, I learned more in those two years as a business owner than True. I did probably my entire life. Yeah, me too. Um, but you you mentioned something that I think was a really gold nugget is that instead of letting those clients walk away, you double down. That's right. And those are the clients that become legacy clients. That's right. Because they turn around and go. Harris was a stand-up guy. Yeah. He knows I lost my job. I had two kids in private school. I'm burning through cash right now. Lehman Brothers just went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Goldman maybe. You know, no one knew at that time. That's and right. People don't realize like our U.S. banking system may have collapsed in That's a matter right. of a weekend. That's right. And those are those are our clients. We're in New York, financial capital about world. It. Those are the clients who maybe that bar mitzvah. Instead of charging them fifteen, you said, "Look, I can cut back. I can do it for right. eleven. We, I make a little bit. You still have your party." But now you're my client. And guess what? Ten years from now, when that daughter is walking down the aisle, 
first person she's going to call is Harris. Yes. There is a memory of that. That's right. Whereas if you burned that, yeah. now you pay the price for that 10 years later. That's right. You know, it's a, that's a great point, Anthony. And, you know, I am now first starting to see the, the benefits of doing that because at that time, all the bar and bat mitzvahs that were taking place, now the weddings are coming up and they're coming back. Fortunately, and, and there are a few people that do say, they say, you know, thank you for years ago. You know, I know we had a rough time, but, you know, thanks for coming through for us. But this time around, we're going to make up for it. This time around, we want to go all out. And it's great, you know, and, and it's nice to um, sort you sort of become part of the family with a lot of clients because they use you for their personal parties over and over and that was our main focus was, was client retention, was keeping it and doing whatever was necessary to keep it. And God, and it was, a, like you said, it was a valuable lesson because when, and, and I don't want to, I'm a realist, you know, uh, when it's going to come, we're going to be prepared for it. I think people, uh, there's a lot of unrealistic people in our in our industry yeah. specifically because things have been so good for so long right now. We've yeah. really had this amazing, you know, even after 07, we were recovering from the September 11th debacle. That's right. Which, you know, people go back 19 years. That's I can right. tell you I opened my business a week after September 11th. We were not a good time to start a, a, wow. a business period, especially one in the event business, because dude, the phone didn't ring for like three months. Mm -hmm. Nobody was planning anything. Everything was canceled because right. everyone had someone affected by September 11th. Right. I know you lived through that. Sure. And then six years later, we have the biggest economic crisis. And then we've had this really amazing run up. Right. So again, you know, like everything else, it's going to be cyclical. We're going to see a downturn. I actually think it'll be good for our industry this time because over the past 10 years, our industry has taken on way too much dead weight. Sure. We have way too many people in the industry right now and the market has become to a point where there's too many vendors to meet the finite number of people that are getting married that's true um, and we need then that next flush out i'm actually excited for when the economy turns down because i'll double down on what i'm doing and exactly. we'll even more and exactly we'll talk about, i'll do all the things we just talked about yeah. and i know other people their yeah. ego is way too big yeah. they won't do that and they'll be out of business in two right. years and that's fine yeah. um but it's just hard work, you know, and it's, exactly. it's, 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 it's a good plan. Uh, so going forward, right, you're here now. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I want to pick your brain about before we talk about five years down the line is, is I know you have kids. Yes. And I know you, you love your kids. Love They're your life. How do you juggle right, being a dad, mm -hmm. running a much bigger business than I do and still finding time to see your kids. And then you're out on the weekends. And if you're not playing your own gigs as the owner of the business, you're out there. I see you sometimes. You're not even, if it's, you might have a night off, you still got to go check on, make sure the town's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like mm -hmm. you just said, to make sure the quality. A lot of caffeine, first of all, <laughs> a lot of caffeine. Um, how do you juggle family life with this industry? It's very difficult, Anthony. Um, I just have to carve out time, you know, for my children. My children are the most important thing to me. Hi, Logan and Halen. And um, one of the biggest motivating factors for me to be successful is for their future, truthfully. You know, I love what I do. You know, I love performing. I love playing music. I even love the business side of it, which could is tedious, but I even grown to appreciate that. But the motivating factor 
is, is truthfully for my, my children. That, that's what it is. So, look, I don't get to spend weekends with them on a lot. Or if I spend a weekend with them, you know, I'll have to throw on my tuxedo at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And they understand, look, this is what daddy has to do to provide for us and put a roof over our heads and, you know, buy us toys and apps and games and camp and, you know, everything yeah. else. That comes along <laughs> with it. And, um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're used to it. Um, I have memories of myself as a child when my parents used to have to, you know, Friday nights, they were getting dressed to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, in the not too distant future, I'll, you know, be able to take my daughter, who's just turned 10. Um, she'll probably start to go with me just to... She's got the bug. She's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. She, she'll she'll uh, hopefully start coming, you know, That'll be cool. to work with me, which will be fun. You know, it'll be good. We'll get to spend some time together and, you know, she'll get to see what dad does. And, you know, my son will be right behind us. So... You know, you have to uh, do the best you can. That's all. You know, whenever you have a moment, a free moment, you know, you, you spend it with your children and that's it. You know, uh, that that's what it comes down to. You know, instead of, you know, going out with to, you know, going out with friends to a bar, you, you just don't have time for it. You got to, your children come first. So that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> Where do you see... Uh... Yeah, Hank Lane is, is here now. Where do we see Hank Lane five years from now? The way I see Hank Lane five years now is, is I'm very interested in expanding the company beyond the tri-state area. We just opened up in Philadelphia. I know we have New Jersey. We have New, New Jersey. York, Long Island, Manhattan, Long yeah, Island. Manhattan, Long Island, New Jersey. We just opened up in Philadelphia. We do a lot of work in Connecticut and Rhode Island. We have... Um, a location in South Florida. My interest is to expand, go a little more nationally, go into areas. North Carolina I hear is, is booming. Um, Washington, D.C., which we've done a lot of events in Washington in the past, but we haven't had a base there. So, you know, my plan is to expand it to more nationally, maybe internationally. Uh, Technology, I think, is the key to expanding this because you want to be able to reach a wide audience. And again, with social media and who knows what's going to go beyond that. That's where my focus is right now, you know, and expanding the company and going above and beyond. But yet at the same time, with that expansion, we have to maintain quality control. So that's, that's the trick. Yeah, always. You know, because some companies expand and they expand, but there's no control over the quality, over the product. So I'm very dedicated that with an expansion that we still maintain the product. We still maintain the Hank Lane standards of, you know, not only great music and make the party over the top, but the professionalism that comes along with it. And that's, I think that's going to be my challenge for the next century or the next, <laughs> next century. Hopefully, yeah, you know, God hopefully we'll God be here another, right. 
if you, something I, I ask every one of my guests is if you could give yourself, looking back where you are today, mm-hmm. you could go back 15 years, give yourself one piece of advice that would radically change your life, something you wish as a grown man now, you looked back on and said, if I did this one thing or if I knew this one thing and I would have changed that one thing, what would it be? That's a great question. And I, and I know the answer to it. The answer to it is I wish when I was younger that I had more confidence in myself. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves, as you know, you know, to, because we promise so much to the client and we take things so personally. Um, When I was younger and I was more up and coming and I had the challenge of sort of you know, that I wanted to make a name for myself and not just be known as Hank's son. I put a lot of pressure on myself and it used to create a lot of anxiety for me. And what I try and teach younger leaders now is be confident in yourself, you know, be confident because if you have a, a, a client who's a little bit more difficult, and we have those. Yeah, we have some of them. <laughs> most of my, most of mine are very nice. Once in a while, we get. But you know, if they're stressing you out, you can't project that as a leader. You can't project that onto your staff because whether it's your musicians in your band, or it's your photography staff, or for your an event planner, it's your it's your event staff. Um, they don't. It's not their fault. They don't know. You need to rally these people behind you as a team. And it takes a lot of uh, self-control to be able to not displace that anxiety onto your staff. And when I was younger, I wish I did that a little bit more. You know, if I had a job that was particularly stressful or if I wasn't, if I didn't feel experienced enough, um, I would show up and I would maybe be a little bit short with the musicians or, and that's something that I, I regret and I don't do that anymore, but it's something that I really try and teach the younger leaders not to do, you know, keep to yourself and, you know, after the party is over, go home and talk to your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend about it. <laughs> that's, no, I think that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I want to be uh, totally respectful of your time, Harris, because oh, all we just talked pleasure. about is a lot, and I know you have a lot going on. I want to Thank commend you. you for being you. Thank you. I want to commend you for all you do in the industry. Um, I love hearing your name on my jobs. Thank you. Because I know they're going to spend a lot of money on photography. Thank you, man. My <laughs> and, pleasure. And, and you, you constantly, you raise the bar. You, you set a great standard. And I think for anyone in the wedding industry, you're someone that they should know and that they should look up to, and they should try to model their business after. And I mean that so from much. the bottom of my heart, not just as uh, someone in the wedding industry, but as a business owner and a businessman myself, um, total respect for what you do. So I want to Cheers you, and I want to thank you for taking the time to do this with Anthony, me. Anthony, thank you so much, and it's a real pleasure being here today. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I feel the same way about you. So. Thank you, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening in. You can find us online at anthonyvasquezworkshops.com, as well as on social, on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube at Anthony Vasquez Workshops. We look forward to seeing you then.